Plan B. Welcome to the BIA College Football Podcast. My name is Huji. That's Philly Phil. How you feeling uh, uh, after this last Buckeye win, Phil? Hey man, a win is a win. Uh, I'm feeling feeling good. You know, we I'm feeling better after week two and after week one. So you know, the team's getting better, podcast getting better, everything is on the up and up. Okay, okay. Well, optimi- that's an optimistic way and a positive way to look at things. Um, so I know that's that may be the theme of the podcast today, um, but we're going to start off. Uh, talking about a question that came from Mr. Ohio on Twitter. And the question basically is along the lines of uh, name two Buckeyes in in two different categories. One that has surprised you in a good way and one that surprised you in a bad way. So, Phil, who has surprised you in a good way and in a bad way? Cool. So we'll start off with the positive uh, for me. A surprise would be Igmanosin, uh new starting cornerback for Ohio State. And he's somebody who came in as a transfer from Ole Miss, had a great uh, freshman season. And so there's a lot of hype around him to bring sort of a new uh, kind of demeanor to the Ohio State secondary. But I'm usually pretty skeptical about new players, transfers, especially uh, kind of making instant impact. It's difficult to do. And so I was kind of more on the wait and see side for him. And in the first two weeks, I've seen a lot of positivity. He's definitely somebody who is looking like he's not going to be a liability on that side. And somebody who, you know, preseason me and you joked about whether or not he was going to be getting a uh, pass interference call every play based on some hype videos he had where he was pretty handsy. Uh, But so far, I think I've only seen one of those flags uh, thrown on him. Uh, And he's definitely... um, proving that he belongs uh, on the field and starting for Ohio State. So that's a positive um, surprise for me. And then on the negative side, I got to go with uh, hometown hero Jack Sawyer. He's somebody who honestly has just kind of been – I've been losing on the field. I've been watching games and having to say, is Jack Sawyer playing? Did he play that last drive? Is he out? Is somebody subbing for him? It's like – Find out, no, he he was in fact in the game, but he is not making an impact. He's not making the announcers have to say his name. Uh, and that's not something we expected from somebody who was such a highly touted recruit um, who played early. As we want our players to do, he did that. Um, and he just hasn't taken the step. So we'll see as the, as the season goes on if he can kind of um, flip that script. But so far, I was expecting a little bit more from him. I mean, there's, <clears throat> I can't, uh, can't argue with that. Um, and I could say that I, I agree with both of those picks and move forward and say that those are my picks, but I'm a, I've got two different picks. So for me, the player that's a part that has been the pleasant surprise has been one Denzel Burke. And I understand this is not a nickname for him, but Equalizer 3 just recently came out starring Denzel Washington. And if anybody's seen that movie, they know that uh, 
anytime Denzel goes up against you, bro, it's like you literally don't have a chance. Like there, there is no challenge to this to to this guy. I mean, I don't want to give anything away, so I'm not going to go into detail. But um, I kind of look at Denzel Burke this season as being the equalizer. I hope that actually sticks, man. Like, like people get that from the BIA podcast calling <laughs> Denzel Burke the equalizer because, bro, like this past game. Um, these past two games, he's shown that he's grown. 2021 uh, was a great uh, year for him, freshman freshman year. Uh, 22, not so much. It was like it was he was really wasn't the same player. Um, and so this year, I am pleasantly surprised to see, uh, you know, him basically do his thing. And I hope that that is not a surprise later on in the year. I hope that is basically the standard as we move forward. Uh, and so the, the person who has not been, um, who surprised me in a bad way is JTT. I mean, five-star recruit. So this is somebody else on the other side of the line. Um, I just, I mean, I'm right there with you. Like I see JT, at least I can see JTT, you know, I see him at the bottom of the screen because he lines up on the left side of the line. He's, uh, you know, he's huge and I just, but I just don't see uh, where he's getting pressure. I understand, um, you know, they, the quarterbacks, the opposing quarterbacks have definitely released the ball quick. But when you got the interior defensive lineman getting to the quarterback and then we don't have the edge getting to him, it kind of brings up some questions. It's kind of like, it's not even just this year, but even last year, like for both Jack Sawyer and JTT, really shocked that these guys weren't getting home as much as we would like. Obviously, JTT had a great game against Penn State, but that's basically been it, man. I mean, I don't think he's a one-hit wonder. I definitely think he has another one of those games in him, but Ohio State recently has been used to uh, great production on the edge. Um, I mean, maybe not recently, but I just, you know, the last great uh, edge rusher we had was Chase Young, and uh, and we, we definitely miss that. Uh, and I think that a lot of Buckeye fans wanted that from JT, like from JT, like for sure, thinking that we were going to get that. But uh, yeah, that's that's where I've been surprised in the bad. Wow. Sack Harrison erasure. I was going to act like Sack Harrison didn't exist. Wow. Wow. It's not that he didn't exist. No, no, it's cool. It's cool. It's it's not. No, wait. It's not that he didn't exist. It was just like one year though that he was. Where he was definitely doing his thing, and I mean, I'm I'm proud of him. I mean, you know, he he got made it to the league. I know that's the ultimate prize. Um, I am uh, looking forward to see him do seeing him do some big things in the league. But um, he was no Chase Young. That's fair. He was no Chase that Young. That's fair. But but however, with, you know, just to piggyback off that, like so far, these guys have been no Zach Harrison, so. You know, really wanting to see them step up, um, especially uh, against Notre Dame. But uh, moving into the next game. Um, So but before we before we do that, let's talk about last game. Let's continue to talk about uh, the Youngstown State Penguins and the victory that we had over them, um, where we want to talk about an area uh, that the Buckeyes glowed in and then an area where they can grow in. So. Since you've been the positive one, since you've been Mr. Optimus, 
I'm going to go ahead and let you take the floor for uh, where the Buckeyes glowed in this last game. Yeah, where we where do we have a glow up? So for me, that answer is uh, Travion Henderson. Um, to me, he had a great bounce back game. After game one, there were a lot of fans who were kind of feeling like, um, you know, maybe maybe he's not the he's not running back one anymore. Kind of starting to doubt, and um, it was fair, uh, but. Uh, he kind of showed he, – he gave himself some time, right, at that starting role um, with explosive plays, big plays um, for big yardage and touchdowns um, in that game. And so it was definitely a, a shining moment. And I think what it will do is it will give him confidence uh, moving forward. Um, and I'm just happy to see another running back, you know, look good. We have a deep uh, running back room. But right now, it's kind of like a, a bunch of people not separating themselves. We'd rather be deep in the sense that everybody's playing great. So it was great to see um, our running back one coming into the year kind of shine, and hopefully we'll see some more plays that give him the space to do so. Yeah. Uh, shout out to Trey Henderson, man. Um, those two touchdowns, big. He typically has big games and uh, when we go against um, some lesser teams, but I think that this is going to be a good stepping stone for him as we head into stiffer competition. Uh, area for growth for me uh, is I'm going to stay on that side of the ball, okay? And I may shock you when I read the stat. Ohio State is ranked 114th when it comes to third down conversions on offense, we are tied with another Ohio school and it ain't Cincinnati. (laughs) It ain't Cincinnati. Uh, It ain't Toledo. It's Akron. We are tied 114th in the FBS on third down conversions. Uh, We have only converted through two games, seven of 23 third downs. Um, a lot of talk amongst the fan base, uh, a lot of talk in, main, in the mainstream media in, within college football that um, our offense has been uh, kind of mid. And one of the things that uh, that we have to, to look at is our third down conversions. Now, we know we've won the last two games we've played. We played a Power 5 opponent, played an FCS opponent. Against the FCS opponent, I think a lot of people expected that we would uh, blow them out. I mean, we did win by basically uh, four touchdowns. So we have to, we do have to kind of put things into perspective. Um, however, I know that the uh, that basically we stay on this trajectory. We're not going to get it done against the bigger teams. You're going to have to stay on the field and not leave points uh, points there <clears throat> moving forward. So, so what was your BIA moment from the Youngstown State game? <clears throat> Uh, yeah, so yes, as the Best in America podcast, we definitely want to make sure that we are highlighting um, excellent play from our DBs. And in this game, uh, we've already talked about Denzel Burke, Equalizer, uh, the new nickname that we'll see if it sticks. Uh, but certainly uh, he was that um, uh, for us while we were up 28 to 7. Uh, and the Penguins were driving. <clears throat> you had just texted me to tell me they were driving, and so they might put a, a score up, which is going to kind of even make the day less exciting. Uh, and then 
uh, Burke got an interception um, to save save a touch, save a score, and um, kind of put us back solidly into the dominating side of of the game in terms of defense. So that's a significant one because you mentioned Denzel Burke had a great freshman year, uh, kind of a okay puzzling sophomore year. Great to see him back on a personal note, be able to get an interception, which kind of solidifies he's back. And then two, it's great for the secondary overall and our corners in particular, who had not recorded an interception in almost two years. Their last one was from Cam Brown in October of 2021. And so um, that drought is now over. And hope and I and I kind of have a feeling, as I mentioned earlier, with Igmanosin playing the way he's playing pretty aggressive. I don't think this will be the last interception from our corners this year. So, uh, but that's definitely a great moment that hopefully gives that whole squad a lot of um, a lot of energy and a lot of confidence to kind of keep building on that throughout the year. Let's go ahead and focus on the next game, Western Kentucky, the Western Kentucky Hilltoppers, um, pass-heavy team. We know that uh, <laughs> we know that they are skilled in that area. They've had a lot of uh, they've had a few quarterbacks these past two seasons, past few seasons actually, uh, put up some big numbers because their offense has been um, very pass heavy. So the biggest challenge and the best unit. Uh, let's start. Go ahead and start off with the biggest challenge. Uh, what what is the biggest challenge that you see going into uh, this Western Kentucky game? Look, you've been coming with all the stats uh, this evening, so I've got one for you. Uh, this year in college football, there are only seven teams who have not given up a sack, and one of them is Western Kentucky. So this is uh, pretty surprising. Um, it's, it's only two games in, but obviously there's only seven, and so you can say small sample size, but then why are there only seven who have accomplished this? So their competition has obviously not been as strong as Ohio State, so we hope to to change that, but we also have not been recording sacks, honestly, as you mentioned before, even last year, uh, in the rate that we want to. And so to me, the biggest challenge is going to be getting to the quarterback. We already know this is a very pass-heavy offense, so secondary is going to be tested. A great way to make the pass game ineffective is to get pressure on the quarterback, get him off of his mark, get him throwing the ball quicker than he wants to, uh, making him nervous, making him hear those footsteps. And so getting pressure, I think, is going to be the biggest challenge, given that it's been a struggle for our ends. And their offensive line has been very effective in, with lesser competition this year so far. So if we can meet that challenge, I think that'll actually help us a lot, especially because they're going to be dropping back way more than Youngstown State and, um, in, in, and Indiana that gives us more opportunities for pressure, right? There's more times when the quarterback's gonna be dropping back, looking for a pass, and so more opportunities, um, and I hope to see our defensive line take advantage this this game. That's something I did not know. I did not know that they get that they have not given up a sack yet, um, albeit they have only played South Florida and Houston Christian. But uh, as they come to Columbus, I am, um, praying that that'll be a different story. <laughs> so, uh, but I'm going to go to the other side of the ball. Um, going to go to the other side of the ball and say that, yeah, I, you know, the DBs are definitely going to be challenged um, in this game, given Western Kentucky's pass 
passing attack. But uh, our offense is going to definitely need to uh, put some points up. And Western Kentucky ranks 59th in opposing third down conversions. And they get even stingier in the red zone. They're ranked 8th in red zone defense. Um, That's a little bit concerning for me. I do think Ohio State um, is a way more talented team that they have faced um, than they have faced. And so I think uh, that we will definitely be able to uh, increase the number of conversions down there. Uh, And I know that Ryan Day knows that this is something that they're going to need to improve in, especially heading into Notre Dame, uh, where Notre Dame is a top 10 defense so far. I think that's going to stay the, that way because they play, I believe, Central Michigan. Well, I know they play Central Michigan. So, um, yeah, the biggest challenge for me, for me is looking at how we uh, do not leave points on the field uh, this Saturday. Moving on from the challenge, the best unit, and I can go ahead and go first on this one, uh, I expect that our wide receivers will be the best unit. Uh, now that Cobham Court is, has been named the starter, uh, I expect there to be way more chemistry. I expect there to be some continuity, especially when we get down uh, in that red zone. Um, I already know that he's got chemistry with Marvin Harrison Jr. because that's his high school. uh, That was his high school quarterback. So, um, yeah, I expect there to be more explosive plays, more points on the board. Um, Western Kentucky has only given up 166 passing yards this game. Uh, but that was against South Florida, like I said, in, in Houston, uh, Houston Christian. So um, lot, a lot better competition. Um, we are a lot better competition for them. And so uh, I definitely expect that if we're going to say that we're, we've got the top uh, wide receiver room in the country, we're going to definitely need to show it on Saturday. Yeah, uh, hopefully, hopefully we are um, better competition and we don't play down. Um, but yeah, definitely hope to see that from the wide receivers. I will say that they played well in the last game, um, week one, they were noticeably absent and I felt like week two, they really stepped it up. Um, we had some big plays from Marv and then also Buka had a, had a really great play after the catch, um, for his touchdown. So, um, hopefully keep seeing those guys improve and get more involved. Um, yeah, for me. The best unit. I've already I've already shouted out Trey, but I'm gonna go ahead and shout out the whole running back room. And as I mentioned before, you know I felt like last game was great to give Trey some confidence. Uh, first game we had a lot of people saying, "Hey, this Chip Trainum, he's he's our new running back one." Like after one game, which is kind of a little ridiculous. But at the same time, what we can't take <laughs> away is he looked good. Like you can't deny he looks good in that game. And so. Not only did he look good and he feel good, he probably also heard everybody saying, hey, this guy should be the starter. That's got to feel good as well. And so, uh, and Mayan Williams was able to get uh, some touchdowns, had one in this game that was called back. Uh, but he can still, since the Big Ten has has uh, rescinded that, uh, that penalty um, after the fact, he can at least know he would have scored. And so basically every every running back from our in our top three has had some moments that can they, they can say, Hey, I'm that dude this year. Like I'm, I'm feeling good, and I hope that that is able to make. Put, hope we're able to put it all together in this game, where all three of them are able to really start, start cooking. So that we might actually see some more emphasis on the running game this week. Week one, we had, I believe, 
153 yards rushing. In week two, we had, I think, 123 yards rushing. Those aren't great. But in that 123 yards, we only had about 20 attempts from our running backs. And in the 153 in week one, we only had about 28 attempts um, spread across uh, a few people, including smart receivers. So we weren't really emphasizing the run, which makes sense when you're trying to work in a new quarterback. Uh, but I think those guys will have a great game and potentially be a kind of a surprising, um, be surprising choice for where we emphasize our play calling, even though we just named common court the starter. I hope that we can uh, look at this game when it's over and say that both units were good. And that, that means that we put a lot of points on the board. Five receivers score, were able to score, running backs were able to score, um, and get some explosive plays. It's not always about scoring, but definitely want to see some more explosive plays moving into this game. And so what is all about scoring is that final score prediction. And uh, I know last week we went big when we should have stayed home. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, I'm gonna be a little bit conservative. I'm gonna be a little bit moderate here. Um, I am going to uh, say that my prediction is going to be that Ohio State wins 45 to 13. Yeah, sounds good, man. Sounds good and eerily similar to my pick. Maybe you you saw my notes somehow and, and tried to jump <laughs> on there. But I was going to say 49 to 14. Um, so kind of in that same ballpark, I guess I got us giving up two touchdowns <clears throat> just because, uh, again, passing a lot, it only takes one slip in the secondary, uh, apparently to, to, uh, to completely explode Jim Knowles defense. So, um, 14 is my, is my prediction on the defense and 49, which is much lower than the last two predictions that I've given, but still would be you know, two scores more than they've gotten so far this year. So that would still be definitely a marked improvement if they're able to get 49. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I think they should be able to if, like you said, that those running back room and wide receiver room they're clicking, um, that should be something they're able to do, especially with the, the pace we expect to be a little bit faster in this game. All right. Those are great predictions. Uh, we're going to take a break and then – get to the national scene where we talk about one team, one player that is coming up next. And we are back to take a national look at one player, one team. Uh, I have to go ahead and start this off and say that uh, this is our surprising player. Never thought that I would bring them up on our podcast this year, based on the year they had last year. Uh, Tyler Van Dyke is my BIA is my basically my player of the week. BIA national player of the week. Uh, he beat the uh, he beat a team from a conference where it just means more in the Texas A and M Aggies. His stats: twenty one of 30, 374 for five touchdowns. His performance is basically a big reason why people are saying that Miami is back, that the U is back. And uh, I look forward to seeing him come up big in some other games. You know, they play Florida State. Um, I don't think they have Clemson this year, but uh, uh, we'll see if they make it to the ACC championship game. I may be getting a little bit too ahead of myself, but I'm going to go ahead and just say that, uh, you know, speak up for 
Tyler Van Dyke and say that he uh, had a great game and it was definitely unexpected. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, I think the, uh, <clears throat> I think being back is something that is way, 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 way overused. Um, if you ain't winning your conference, if you ain't won your conference, you're not back. Winning one game against a team that won, I believe, seven games last year. Or was it five? I can't remember, actually. Not a good team last they, year. They didn't go to a bowl. They didn't go to Okay, so it was five and seven. I couldn't remember seven, five, five, seven. Uh, yeah, you're not back by beating a team that is not good. Um, but definitely, I agree with you on the QB having a great game and that being a good sign that they um, – are going to be a better team this year than they were last year. Uh, but call me when they can win the ACC, which they haven't done. So for me, I guess, okay, I was positive earlier. I'm already, I'm already hating. <laughs> I'm about to do some more hating too. I ain't done hating, y'all. Uh, my team is going to be a team that stands out, uh, not because they played that great, uh, kind of the opposite. Um, I'm talking about Tennessee. Now, Tennessee uh, in their defense, they played a powerhouse team, Austin P. Austin P had these boys on the ropes in the second quarter. They Austin P was up 6-3. It was 6-6, about to go into half. Tennessee scored a touchdown with 20 seconds left uh, in the second quarter to um, go up by a touchdown going in. Uh, ended up winning 30-13, to so a 17-point victory. And, uh, Justin, you want to guess what they were? expected to win by what the original spread was i feel like i saw this but i must say 43 is it 43 i wish it was 43 it was 48 and a half <laughs> 48 and a half they won by 17 that's embarrassing so look the reason why i'm highlighting them is because even though yes i'm hating on them i want them to be better why do i want them to be better because in the sec we've got georgia georgia is legitimately you know, they're the number one team. They're a two-time defending champion. And right now it looks like they're just going to steamroll and just, like, kick their feet up and just be pulled <laughs> all the way to the national championship. So we, we, we're supposed to believe the SEC is going to offer them some, some challenges. On the West, that challenge is supposed to be primarily Alabama. Alabama already took their L. If it wasn't Alabama – we knew it was going to be LSU already took their L. The folks who believe, hey, talent is is king. Who cares if they were 5-7 and seven last year? Texas A&M still can do it. Already took an L. On the east side of the SEC, where Georgia is, we're looking for who can challenge. Um, could have been. There's some talk about South Carolina doing it this year. Already took, you guessed it, an L. <laughs> the SEC is hemorrhaging right now. Uh, Tennessee is kind of the last hope. They obviously played a, a poor game against Austin P, but you know, good teams play bad games. Um, we're on this podcast trying to feel good about, you know, uh, twenty-eight point wins against FCS schools. So we understand, but. We'll definitely want to see Tennessee play better because right now they're kind of looking like the best hope that as a national fan of the game, 
you have to see Georgia be challenged. Because, I, I, you know, if Georgia wins, that's it is what it is. It's history. It'll be something that you can say you were there when the team repeated. But I don't want it to be easy all the way through. So Tennessee, um, you had this scare. You haven't looked great. Joel Milton, you've looked like I thought you were going to look. Step it up. We got a chance next week to start that uh, when you play the Gators, who also don't look great, but it would still be a, a big win. So, um, yeah, our, also our, already took an L, as are, have most of the teams in the SEC. Uh, so, yeah, man, um, Tennessee, I'm rooting for you, okay? Not because I like you, but because we need to see Georgia tested, and you can't be out here beating Austin P. By one score at halftime. Do better. Wow. The SEC, where the losses. The SEC is cooked. (laughs) Where the losses just mean more. Um, They do. Yeah. Uh, Soul food down there, though, is great. I got to give it to them. And the SEC country, you know, SEC country, the food is is fantastic. Um, They're getting cooked. That plate right now, so yeah, yeah they gonna have to get it together. To the back door to eat it. <laughs> <laughs> so that is on that note. That's our show. Uh, <laughs> we will do the pick six on the next episode, which you will be. You should be able to catch coming up here uh, if you're listening to us on Spotify or Apple. Please leave a five star review. Um, and uh, we uh, will uh, greatly appreciate that. If you're looking at us on YouTube, like, subscribe, comment. Um, we are grateful to all of our supporters out there. Um, if you have any ideas for que- or questions, uh, DM us on uh, Instagram. Um, so with that, I'm Hugie. That's Phil. OH. I O, man. I O. Peace. <laughs>